Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. This time, I am running a homebrew campaign set in the world of Numenera by Monty Cook Games. I've been running this campaign now for quite a few weeks. I think this is like my 14th episode or so. And it is built on the Cypher system. It's not Dungeons & Dragons. It's using the Cypher system. And it is a fantastic high fantasy science fantasy adventure. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you enjoy the show and you like what I do, you can help me out by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. You get access to all kinds of exclusive material, exclusive behind-the-scenes videos and video previews and, and adventures and source books and all kinds of great stuff that you can get by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. But most of all, you get to help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. And the link to become a patron is in the show notes for either this podcast or this video, depending on how you're watching this. Yeah, so we took a week off last week. I had a bunch of players who went off to Origins, so they were not around, and we took the week off. And so I did a video last week about running Wild Beyond the Witchlight. If you look at my video series, you can find a series of videos a playlist of videos for me talking about wild beyond the witch light so if you want to hear me talk about that i have a whole set of videos where i talk about wild beyond the witch light but now we got to get our heads back into numenera so the latest situation in my numenera game is that the characters are trying to rescue a bunch of nanos who have been hooked up to a giant machine of sorts that is being fueled by this guy this this very powerful villain known as the fourth emperor Fourth Emperor is this very ancient entity trying to come back to the planet, trying to come back to Earth. He is, it is, they are, I don't know what pronoun to use for a giant sentient god that looks like a giant tadpole, but it's this thing in another plane of existence. And the, it is, it, the, it has a bunch of heralds, these giant, the super intelligent, artificial intelligences called heralds that are helping set the world up for its arrival, for the arrival of the fourth emperor. And one of the things it's doing is it took a bunch of nanos from a town called Scarlet Watch. Nanos are sort of like wizards. You can think of nanos like wizards. They are people who can manipulate the nanites that exist everywhere in the world of Numenera and do magical things. And they have been hooking them up to a bunch of pillars in this place known as Amberfall. So the the servants of the fourth emperor, mostly known as Orgolian, like Orgolian soldiers, these sort of like biomechanical soldiers, went to Scarlet Watch, grabbed up all the nanos. Scarlet Watch had a higher ratio of nanos to normal people than most towns. So they went there, got a bunch of nanos, brought them to this uh, place called Amberfall, where a previous during a previous age a bunch of sort of like mercenary data sphere ramblers had set up a bunch of things including how to get multiple people hooked up into a single personality that is goes into the data sphere so they put people in into there and it has sort of joined their personalities together in order to do really complex operations on behalf of the fourth emperor so they're kind of connected to these things. So the characters have gone to Amberfall. They've been working through this large complex of Amberfall to try to go get these nanos. They, they want to recruit, they want to rescue the nanos, but they also want to recruit the nanos to work for them to help fight the fourth emperor. Because one of the things they want to do is crack a herald, right? The heralds are these, as I said, giant artificial intelligence spheres. They exist both in the physical world and in the data sphere. You can think of the data sphere like cyberspace, right? They exist both in the data sphere and in the physical world. The characters want to crack a herald because if they can crack a herald, they can get access to other parts of the fourth emperor, including these satellites known as the eyes of the fourth emperor that are these six geosynchronous satellites over the planet that have these tungsten rod firing guns that can basically blow up any place on the planet uh, like they're hitting it with a nuclear bomb without the radiation. 
So the characters have made their way through. They they met last last week. Let's let's pull up our notes from last week. So last week they met a in Winter's Blade an ancient hollow projector brought up a, a an NPC named Cucuccio. Cucuccio was one of the members of the Winter's Blade, the group that had built Amberfall and was using it to sort of do crazy mercenary fun sort of biker gangy sort of stuff in the data sphere many many centuries ago many many millennia ago and Cucuccio, who is based on the character Cucuccio from seven samurai and he rides on a big mechanical horse you know that i thought it'd be fun if he has like a you know i think i ended up that he drives a big motorcycle so i take that back he has a great big hog with like big monkey bars on it that he rides through the data sphere and he talked to them. He didn't know who he was or how he, what he knew he was, but he's like, I don't know where I got to come back. And it turns out he is another personality that was sort of put into this construct. And, you know, all the rest of his people are, are long dead, but his personality still is around. His physical body is kind of gone. He doesn't think he can really bring it back because the, there's too much data loss over time. But he can still talk to them and he can still deal with stuff. And he, and he was a really good vehicle to tell them all about Amberfall and what it was for and all the kinds of stuff and all these secrets and clues that they picked up. And they found this place known as the the vault. I don't know if I gave it a fancier name than the vault. The black the black vault. I think it was called. I think it was called the black vault. Yeah, there's my there's my map. So this is what the black vault. This is what the place looks like. And on the right hand side, in the lower right hand side, you see that sort of octagonal or the hexagonal room. Is that hexagonal or octagonal? That looks like octagonal. That octagonal room is it was a sealed vault that was completely cut off from the data sphere and the physical world. It was it was air compressed had its own air, had its own sort of Faraday cage to make sure that radio transmissions couldn't get in out. But there was cracks in it, and, and there was a voice that was saying, help me, they're calling out from this place. They found out that the, the entity in there is known as an Odge, right? From, let's see, Bestory 3, page 114. An Odge, right? Odge are really, really super powerful beings made of like, you know, almost made out of energy, they can kind of exist both, and in my world, I'm kind of making them. They can, they're another kind of entity that can exist both physically and in the data sphere, but they don't, they're not bound by it as much. So they're very wild, very dangerous things. And, and the Winters, the Winters Blade had captured one of these things and sealed it up in this vault, in this, in this, in this vault. They called it the Black Vault, but it's actually white. It's called black because you can't see it, right? It's like an invisible vault, but inside it's all white and pretty. And it's, and that's actually held together very well over the centuries, right? because they built it that way. So they found two things in the vault. They found a bunch of stuff, a bunch of gear, a bunch of magic items, a bunch of, bunch of permanent items that they could use to kind of stock up, which was really fun. And they also found two other things. They found this Odd who was saying, I can help you. I can help you stop the fourth emperor more than anybody else on this planet. I can help you stop the fourth emperor. And they found this thing called the the con mark seven. And the con mark seven looks like a dagger. It looks like a red and black dagger. It is a... It can exist. It, it too can exist both in the data sphere and in the physical world. And it kind of does, although it's not, it doesn't connect to the data sphere now because there is no data sphere inside this vault. And the characters are ended the game is still inside the vault. The dagger is essentially a super, super powerful virus. And it is a virus in both sense of the words, both a computer virus and a physical virus connected to an entity known as the hex. The hex is an entity or a, 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 a species, not really clear, that last defeated the fourth emperor it got free it destroyed the fourth emperor it pushed the fourth emperor out to another world the fourth emperor had to escape and it and it basically everybody else had to go away and then it caused essentially a billion not a billion year but like a hundred million year dark age or something like that and you know many million year old dark age 
you know, where no, but there's no record of like what happened there. There's no understanding of what happened there. And it lasted for a long time. And it's because it was essentially a virus that got free and destroyed everything on the planet, destroyed all, didn't destroy all life and everything like that. But it certainly like broke everything down to just, you know, the default nature of life. And, and there was no more push in the data sphere. There were no sentient entities. All this stuff was kind of destroyed. Very, very few remnants of it were, were, were very few remnants survived during that age. That was the fifth age, right? So they know that this dagger that has the hex has, you know, I don't know exactly what it does if they plug it in, right? If they use it or stab something with it or plug it into the data sphere or do something with it, they don't know exactly what will happen. But they do know two entities really fear it. One, the Odge, and two, the Fourth Emperor, right? And what will the characters do with this thing, right? The Odge, you know, they, they learned from... So the, the one being that they have that's helping them kind of understand what they've got is their old pal. He always refers to himself as like, I'm your friend. And like, you're not a friend. You're like a crazy lich thing. He's like, no, no, I'm totally your pal. And that's Takrin the Exegate. Takrin was actually a human being at one time. But over a thousand years had turned himself into a completely cybernetic entity. And he's essentially like a lich, right? He, he's, he's, you know, they, they carry around this chrome skull. The chrome skull is connected through radio back to the actual Takarin who's back in this vault called the Vault of Takarin that they had gone to long before. And he speaks to them about it. And he can exist both in data. Everything can exist in the data sphere and elsewhere. He talks to them across both worlds. And he is like, you know, let me tell you about the Odge, right? And let me tell you about the Hex, right? And he can kind of explain to them how dangerous this is. He has a goal and an agenda. And... The destruction of humanity through the use of the hex is not it, right? He doesn't want that because then where does he go? What happens to him, right? It could it could destroy him as well as anybody else. He wants to be connected to the fourth emperor data sphere. He kind of wants control over it, right? He wants he he would love more. I think his agenda right now, the thing he wants more than anything else, is for them to crack a herald and then connect him so he could have herald like powers, right? I think he would be happy to be a herald for them right and he would still be an ally but it's like can you really trust him like this is his motivation the same as the motivation of humanity can you hope so like as long as it's connected but he's not a benevolent entity right he's definitely not so i don't know if the players have ideas about what they plan to do with Takrin, but they did make an agreement with him that he would help them out if they would connect him to the fourth emperor data sphere and i think the time when they're going to do that is when they crack a herald and get in and do that so that's you know that's a very long-winded way of saying where are things but that kind of helps us understand where we're getting started right and our job now is to come up with a come up with an adventure for today which i think is going to be great i'm I, you know I'm, i don't i feel i already feel good about like where things are and 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 you know where things are going and everything like that so today is 19 june sunday numenera cool so our characters, we, we always begin with the, these are, we follow the eight steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. If you are wondering what tool and application I am using to do these notes, it is Notion. You can find a link in the show notes, both for the podcast and for the YouTube, down in the show notes below. We start off with eight steps, and the first step is to review the characters. So we have Biko. Biko is an intuitive jack who rides the lightning, by, played by Pat. Unfortunately, Pat will not be able to make the game today. He has... He, he, has something going on. We have Cecilia. Cecilia is played by Sharon. Sharon will be there. A hideous Jack who wields power with precision. She is actually an entity that existed during the Fourth Age. It would be definitely more interesting for her to find out how her species rela relates to the Fourth Emperor. And I think a secret and clue that we can, can tie to, to Cecilia is that the Fourth Emperor built by some existing species and built entirely new ones during the fourth age. Cecilia's 
bee people, I don't know what they're called, species, actually was around as early as the third or maybe even the second age. The, F, the fourth emperor found the hive-like structure of Cecilia's race, Cecilia's species. The fourth emperor found the hive-like structure of Cecilia's species to be particularly useful for how it wanted to control on the planet. That's Cecilia. We have Jad the Shade that is played by Joe. And he exists partially out of phase, which is kind of interesting. He might have he might have a better understanding of, of the odds, right? The odd exists as a energy being able to connect to both the physical world and the data sphere. It can connect to the data sphere naturally to beings like the Aj as a voice of the data sphere. Almost godlike or spirit-like entities that don't have to play by the rules. That's cool. So that's Jad just shake and, and he, Jad, the reason I bring that up now is because Jad might have this information. Jad might, might realize that this is true. We have Juniper. Juniper is played by Juliet. Juniper is a cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun. She is beginning to lose her cheer the longer that she's been facing off against the fourth emperor. She has been less, less cheerful the longer that she's been spending understanding that what's been going on with the fourth emperor, but she still has a shard of the sun. Her mother is here in her mother is here in Amberfall. Her mother, and they know it, right? Her mother is connected to, let's see, who's her mother? Cassandra. Put her in the NPCs. So Cassandra is what they refer to as a facilitator. So in a secret we could have here is Juniper's mother, Cassandra, is able to help the nanos of Scarlet Watch single entities known as so i need a cool name quad something quad folk not quad folk but they are essentially four human beings joined together mentally into one entity and this is going to be important this is something that i think is going to happen they're essentially creating this new species and the, the new species quadrons we'll call them but I'd like a better, like, what would a, a species name for four human beings joined together be? Like, you know, what would, what would a, you know, what would that be? So it was the only way for them to survive was to become these beings. They will die if they are, if they're disconnected directly from their, their systems, right? If the nanos, if the quad, quad we're going to keep calling the quadrons. If the quadrons are disconnected from their hubs, they'll certainly die if not lose all mental faculties many didn't survive before and were taken to the acid uh so juniper's mother knows this juniper's mother is the one that's been trying to help them survive as long as they were able to but in doing so basically wired their brains together so that they now have to become a thing which means they have to be completely moved into 
the data sphere. They, they cannot survive physically anymore. Their bodies are basically, you know, falling apart. Tetrarchs does work. So they, uh, so they cannot survive physically, right? The quadrants cannot survive physically and must be moved to the data sphere to survive at all. Right. And that was, that was a, a terrible choice that, that, that Juniper's mother, Cassandra had to make was if they want if we want these people to survive, they have to, you know, they have to be formed into these new entities, but they can survive that way. And they're different, right? Like we think about four personalities put together into one, they don't act like people anymore and their motivations aren't the same. So we're going to see what that's like. So I still haven't even gotten through all the other characters. Then we have Nakia. Nakia is a beneficent Jack who acts without consequence, who has now been basically following Cecilia and whatever Cecilia needs, Nakia follows. And then we have Sam G1138L, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. And he is one of a number of different beings, you know, constructed beings that were built long ago. And I think he, let's see. So now I think, I think Sam G will be back. So I can finally put in the Samji secret is one of many such warrior constructs with an army waiting beneath the Jade Colossus. I'm combining two other Numenera adventures, Slaves of the Machine God and Jade Colossus together. I'm taking a couple of different ideas and putting them together into one that can connect to Samji. So those are the characters. Our strong start is the big one is the decision. They have, they, they picked up a nano who was being, they were, a, 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 the Orgolians were trying to keep a nano alive and the nano is dying, right? They found a nano that the Orgolians were trying to, you know, fix up and then connect back into the hub, but the nano is dying. He is rejected the nano is dying and has rejected being connected again. And the only way that they can get this nano back is to reconnect him into the data sphere. So they, we have a timer. That timer is this nano is dying. They, but they have a choice, right? Do they take the, the con mark seven? Uh, do they release the odds? Those are the big questions. And, and essentially you have one world ending for three. We are at the junction of three different potential world ending forces the odds is probably the least dangerous of them the odds but the odds is very dangerous you release the odds and it gets back out in the data sphere you'll never get it back again it's like it took like you know it destroyed like more than half of the winter's blades to try to capture this thing but they did right and they so so if you let it free but if you let it free it is a very very powerful very powerful entity if you release the odds the odds won't do anything that you want it to do unless you have a way to threaten it and the only way to threaten it is the con mark seven which means if you're going to release the Aj, you need to have the Con Mark 7. Now, you can take the Con Mark 7 without the Aj and just leave the Aj sealed up here and say, like, we really don't know what value you provide to us, so we're just going to take it, you know. But the Aj might be a way to have major leverage against the Fourth Emperor and not have something that could totally end the world, where the Con Mark 7 might totally end the world. So you have three potential, like, world-ending things going on here. So that's kind of fun. But that's really where the start is going to go is that the nano is dying. They're going to have to make a choice. Do they release the odds? Do they keep the con mark seven? What are they, what are they going to do? And then they go in. So there's a few different places they can go for the locations. We have Amberfall, the war machine ruins, right? And they have at this point, so they're in that lower right area. They don't really need to worry about, they've seen, they've seen the rest of this place, I think. 
So there's really only a couple places they can go. And there are cracks in the wall so they can break into the back of this chamber on the left-hand side, which is where the final boss for this place anyway, the Voss or Orgolian is there. That could be a, a pretty big one. And then this, this, this quarter circle hall, that's actually the hub. That's where all the nanos are. And they can probably see it from control panels and stuff like that in here. So I think they're going to have the choices for world, the world ending choices. And that's, do you take the con mark seven? Do you release the Odge? Those are the big questions. I guess those are the real big ones at this point, right? And then they, the, the, the couple different places they could potentially travel to are the throne room and the hub. The throne inhabitant wise, so let's see, we can do some good old fashioned. So if we're going to go to our fantastic locations here, we can do some good old fashioned lazy DMing and say, what are three interesting features of the throne room? We could have like a cybernetic data sphere hub slash throne probably built out of a skull like a big mechanical tyrannosaurus skull we have so what other kind of cool things could be that that they would have here they probably have like trophies of the kills of the winter's blades and these could be like you know this is one where you could do like weird cybernetic dinosaurs so we could have a saber tooth cat thing you could have a like a war mammoth what would be some other interesting a giant snake yeah horizon zero dawn exactly we're, we're, we're just stealing we're stealing directly from horizon zero dawn a big pterodactyl or big pterodon but they're all like half mechanical these are beings that they fought in the data sphere and then data cast out the remains and then put them up in these huge trophies in this room and they're just sort of left there and like the 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 orgolians don't really care right so we've got that any other any other kind of fun feature something that might be usable those are definitely i guess that's that's good enough right those are those are plenty we don't need more details on that and then who's here we have some monsters we have the bestiary let's take a look fourth emperor bestiary and we have there's probably a couple of orgolian myrmidon myrmidons here right we're gonna make this a big chamber so probably two of these they're level six we have an Orgolian, let's see, we have the an Orgolian envoy. No, no, there was another, there was another thing. What was it called? The Overlord Automaton. That's it. 123. Come on. There it is. Hey, look, P person. Odolins. That that's, you know, that Odolin is kind of interesting. Because that could be sort of like Cecilia. The Overlord Automaton. Right? So we definitely have. I lost my place. So we have Orgolian Myrmidons. We probably have four regular Orgolians soldiers. But we're going to make these pretty low level, like level threes. Maybe even level twos, because we want them to be minion-like, right? So you can drop them really fast. And a... I already forgot the name of the thing. Overlord Atom. And that is page 123. Yeah, so that's going to be a big fight. Now, this is one where if they release the Odge, I think the Odge is going to do tremendous work against these against these creatures because this is like this is a huge fight, right? The automaton is what what level? It hits level six, right? So you know, level six. So to give an idea, like the levels, the level three times the level is your DC to affect it, right? Or your DC to defend against it. 
and it has three times that many and has as many that many hit points so it has 18 hit points that's how like levels work for monsters in Numenera so it's probably the thing I like best about Numenera if you want to know like what I really enjoy most about Numenera it's that every challenge which includes monsters essentially are a level and the level tells you how hard it is to do something against it how hard it is to defend against it how much damage it does and how many hit points it has all of that is based on that level and basically what you do is you take that level and oh and yeah yeah so you take that level and you multiply it by three that is the dc essentially to affect it so you need to beat an 18 in order to survive and you can do it by lowering steps which is the other mechanic of numenera is taking and lowering steps so that is really you know that is really interesting and the odds the Odge can sig- help them significantly in the throne room. And I think that's something I want them to recognize, right? Is that like the Odge knows what's in the throne room. No, it can't, it can't know because it can't get out, right? I don't know. I, I just have to tell them. Oh, then we have the hub, right? It's the other major chamber in this in this place. And it has pillars connecting up four nanos together it has crystalline monitor crystalline monitors like up above that sort of keep track of everything that's going on and there's probably four orgolian soldiers and four orgolian testers or yeah testers manipulating each of the four orgolian testers manipulating each of the hubs i think there's more hubs in that right i think there's five so there's probably four Orgolian soldiers and there's five testers, one for each of the hub. So that is the locations, right? And those are the major locations for this. And that is that is going to be cool. So we've got our strong start. We've got our scene. So then they escape, right? They have the hub and then the escape, which is probably the data sphere. And then returning to the hive, which is their data sphere headquarters that they have, right? And that I think, and then they have big decisions. And the next step probably is going to be how to crack a herald. So that helps, right? So what secrets and clues? So so we've got kind of our scenes. I think that's a that's a that's a good variety of scenes for this the 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 for the game today. But we probably want to tie a few secrets and clues to that last part about like when they're deciding to crack a herald, what exactly does that mean? So a herald is is mostly isolated from the data sphere, but manipulates its subjects through a level nine gateway entities. Ice. I'm stealing that from neuromancer i think it was intrusion countermeasure electronics hey my mom is here hi mom happy father's day to george so uh yeah so they so cracking it even if you even if you can go up to the door and start to crack it and try to break into the into the herald you're gonna have to defend yourself against the intrusion countermeasure entities ice and nobody's ever tried so nobody even knows what they're like i think that's pretty good that looks like eight secrets so a couple more secrets related to cracking heralds each herald is isolated from one another so cracking one doesn't crack all of them but cracking a herald opens up the door 
to an eye, uh, to an eye of the fourth, the satellites hanging above the planet. Right. So that's cool. Uh, to gain control, the, the connections, let's see. I kind of like the idea that in order to crack the eye, you actually have to physically go there. So how is it that a herald can command an eye? I guess like it will disconnect, you know, it will, it, you know, it'll disconnect itself. So cracking a, an eye requires data casting there directly and real casting out into the satellite. The internal, the internal chambers of an eye haven't been inhabited for hundreds of millions of years. If I'm gonna complain about Numenera, I have a complaint. I probably have a few complaints, but I have, I have kind of one big one, which is a billion years is too much time that I, I don't know exactly what got them to say that it was a billion years. But the problem is like, it's not clear that anything would last even a hundred and even a million years, right? Like a million years is so long that like any kind of degradation of something, it's going to turn it into dust, right? It's not going to exist. I don't know that. I don't know if you had a block of steel, and, and set it outside. I don't think it would last a million years, right? I don't, I think it would last thousands of years, but I don't think it would last millions. So I think that the, you know, to the idea that you would go into a satellite that's up in space, even in a vacuum, right? I don't think even in a vacuum that something could last a hundred million years. I'm not sure, right? Millions of years, maybe, right? I don't know. It's really, it's hard. I mean, like, how old is the moon, <laughs> right? Like, let's, let's uh, do the little side research, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, hey, friends on friends on Twitch, how old is the moon, right? And like, you know, things, I don't, it feels like things can't last that long. And so I have a hard time trying to describe things. Like the idea that like Nokia would have a Nokia phone and that's what he was named after. That works if it's like a thousand years. So the moon is apparently 4.53 billion years old. So, okay, that's four times older than the, the length of time that's existed here. So maybe, but that's also the moon, right? So like a Nokia phone is not gonna last that long. It's gonna break down, right? Anything that you would put into a desert is not gonna be around after a million years, right? Like, I mean, I guess we have fossils that go back that far, right? So maybe, I guess if we try to look back and say, what, what are we able to see that's more than a billion years old now? And could somebody have built a structure that would still be standing that could last that long? I have a hard time with that. So I kind of hand wave the time. I wish that they were not so specific with the time. And they said that there were five previous eons. They could have lasted thousands to millions of years, right? And, and we don't know how far back it goes, right? That would have been better so that like there's a little bit more flexibility with time. And I think if I had run this campaign again, I would have been less, I would have been, I would have described things with less amount of time because it feels like, you know, right. It's right. Rango virus, a highly advanced civilization with environmentally friendly tech would leave little to no trace, right? There would be almost nothing left, right? I read an article that was saying like, how do we know there wasn't an advanced society on earth before? And it was so long ago that every part of it has been destroyed. 
right? And you're like, I'm not sure that that's an impossibility, right? I, you, you think, well, you find something. Like we found troglodytes, right? And troglodyte fossils are not troglodytes, right? Troglodytes? No, I don't think that's what, what those called. You know, those are like weird fish things that we found that are millions of years old. Yeah, and fossils are only found with incredible luck, right? Troglobites, trilobites. That's what I'm thinking of. Not tro troglobites are like cave dwellers. No, trilobites. All right. How old are trilobites? So I have a hard time with the time frame. That's my. That's one of my big issues. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. That's correct. We don't know, right? Right. But it, the the question is, could something have survived that long? And the answer is like, yeah, who knows? So I'm, so I'm playing loose with the science because I'm like, could there be a satellite that's been up there for hundreds of millions of years, right? Because if you go, if you pretend that every age and there have been nine of them and that you say each of them were roughly equivalent, that means that it was like the fourth empire was 600 million years ago, which means the satellites that were built during the fourth age are 600 million year old satellites. I mean, that's big in scope, but what the hell would that look like? Are you telling me not a single particle flew through the air and hit it and destroyed it in all that time? That seems like a long time. So, yeah. So that's my complaint. So I got some good secrets and clues here. I think, I think I've got enough to certainly play with it. I've got my fantastic locations, right? Those are all set. I've got these. Do we have any other NPCs? So I don't know that we need any other. I, I guess like... You know, we could we could we could have a person. Let's go to my names here, right? And Janiel, I think, will be our and let's a good last name. Sydney Sardony. Janiel Sardone is the disconnected who is dying. And I think we have Demi, right? Demi of Scarlet Watch is probably an NPC they might they might talk to. And we have Kren. And we are going to have Rabbit. These are kind of their regular friends and NPCs. A group that the characters really liked, and I'd, I'd love to find a way to bring them in, is Navro and Burham. They're always fun. And the Quadrons are NPCs, right? And how many? There are five of them, right? And I think the Quadrons, like, they're, they, they don't even really have names. They're really hard to communicate with. They don't, like when they try to speak, I think that they look like sort of formless, you know, tall humanoids in the data sphere. And they move kind of slowly. They sort of have like these void-like eyes. You know, they look sort of like the aliens from third, from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, kind of like long limbs. They move sort of slowly. I'm actually, I've just watched, rewatched the movie, The The Green Knight. And there's a great scene where, they, where they're walking along and they see some giants walking along the horizon. And I think of them like that. They sort of like these otherworldly entities. He can't even, they don't really understand you. You don't really understand them. They barely know of each other's existence, but they're there. You know, I think that that, and the only one who can really talk to them is Cassandra. And that's just, because she doesn't know why, but she's just able to kind of work with them and steer them. But it's not like talking to them, you know? So I don't know what they were. I don't know that they even have, they, I mean, they're always, I think that's always they, right? I think they use the, 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 the pronouns of they all the time. And, and they, in their case, they're using it as a plural pronoun because they are, they are multiple entities, right? So I think that's what the quadrons look like. Monsters, I've already listed up a bunch of monsters that I have in here. So I don't really need to add another monster list. And treasure, they've already just got piles of treasure last time. So I'm not going to worry too much about treasure this time. So I'll keep my fourth emperor bestiary list. But I'm not going to worry about my treasure, my, my treasure piles here. So, yeah, so that... I'm, you know, I feel solid about the game today, boy. I'm, 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 I'm feeling good. I feel like we've got what we want. 
So with that, now that I've got my notes together, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. It's always a great pleasure to hang out online and prep my game. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, supporting me directly on Patreon, heading to the Sly Flourish bookstore and picking up any of my books or subscribing to my videos on YouTube. All of the links for all of that and more are in the show notes. So be sure to check out the show notes for all kinds of good information from this show. Thank you all very much. Have a great day. Next week, we'll see where we things went. And in the meantime, get out there and play an RPG. Thank you very much.